0: Good evening, Canes fans. Welcome into the seventh episode of The Rod, the podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Betts. As always, I'm joined with my co-host, Mike May. How
1: are we doing tonight, Mike? Doing fantastic, you know, busy week. Happy to have the opportunity for us to catch up on some Canes content. So,
0: Yeah, man, I mean, after, you know, wild, tumultuous week last week, it's kind of nice that things have calmed down a little bit so we can Sit back, uh, digest it a little bit more, and tonight I think we have a pretty fun episode, uh, and we teased it last week. We're going to talk about the state of the franchise and uh, the good, the bad, the the ugly, and kind of, in a way, pseudo-team building, but do we feel like the Tom, Dun- Tom Dundon administration uh, is necessarily conducting business properly here in Raleigh?
1: Well, the definition of properly is going to change based on everybody's individual opinion, right They've put themselves in a precarious position for sure. They are really um, making decisions that if turn out to be the wrong decision is it'll be they could be drastically wrong sure. right so they've they have put themselves in a position where if you don't see success in the short and long term, you're going to really question what has been going on for the last almost three years, you know?
0: So it stems back well before I know right now everyone is really focused on the Tony D'Angelo signing, but the questions about you know Tom Dundon's ownership and in the front office under his guidance stem back from the very beginning and to kind of shape where we've gotten to this point, now, I, I think it's important to highlight some dates and, you know, major points of emphasis that have occurred uh, in the first three uh, plus years of, of Tom owning the team, and so it goes back to January of 2018 when the team was purchased from Peter Carmanos, and I, I think the initial reaction, at least for the first couple of months, was, "This is great!" You know, the the team had a little bit of juice. People uh, were excited. He was starting to invest in the you know, the product. And at that point, it was in the middle of the season. So I'm not talking about players, but just getting a different sort of fan engagement level. You could tell mm-hmm. just going into Arena it was different. However, that all changed. Uh, not the fan side of it, but people, especially in the Canadian media, started question Tom Dundon when Ron Francis, you know, franchise legend, uh, was basically fired, you know, demoted uh, at the, toward, at the end of April of that year. And, And can you tell me your initial response to that move? If you can kind of rewind.
1: I remember seeing it and it was one of those ones where I wasn't really sure how I felt. I wasn't thrilled about it. It wasn't like I saw it and I was like, yes, this is the right direction. Um, I was a firm believer in what Ron was building and it's shown that in our prospect pool and in the players that have come up in the organization that he was doing things the right way. I do think the maybe major issue with him was the failure to maybe take that chance to add the pieces that made you take the next step. Um, To be fair, he also really didn't get that chance with, with the time of his exit. He, he could have done more maybe in the earlier seasons, but I mean, you look at a lot of the assembled roster over the last few years. And a lot of those guys were Ron Francis guys. And I do think they did a good job of putting the franchise in a healthier position than they had been previously.
0: Sure. And it's maybe not fair, but I I, I love how you kind of talked about the core. Um, and we talked last week about the necessity, in my opinion, that teams, professional organizations should view their core as like the heartbeat of the team and build around those guys. I, I think something to keep in mind as we move forward through this discussion that despite the success, I mean, they've made the playoffs basically, you know, 2019, 2020, and 2021. They've made the playoffs every year he's had full ownership of the team. However, I, I, and they've made big moves, you know, the Dougie Hamilton trade comes to mind. But the truth of the matter is the core of this team, you know, Sebastian Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci traded for Tevo Teravine. And those are Francis moves. And so has the, has the Dundon ownership team with GM, Don Waddell – have they been the benefactors of the core being in place and aging into contention? Because I think that's why we were frustrated when Francis got let go. And, and since we found out that you know there was just you know differences of opinion between him and Tom about aggressiveness, and, and Don's you know in our opinion done a, done a really good job up until maybe this off season. But the truth is, was, was this performance kind of inevitable? Like they were knocking on the door of being a perennial playoff team when Tom took over?
1: They were they were close, for sure. I think you have to look at some of the moves that were made. Obviously, the Victor Rask trade Incredible. for Nino Niederreiter, that one was massive, and those little things have a massive impact on on your team's ability to compete and compete in the long run. You know, uh, they, they also lucked into getting the number two overall pick that same summer
0: yep. and Andre Svechnikov has become yep. an impact player and, and hopefully will be the franchise staple.
1: But yep. And then adding they the adding of Dougie and Furland in that trade, Norris winner, Adam Fox, yeah, Norris win, winner, Adam Fox, for sure. I mean, you look at that and Furland paid a really big piece in, kind of changing the psyche of the team right you know they were no longer pushovers yeah, anymore they were not and we all know what Dougie did for the franchise and his years here and those moves were massive the goaltending moves that were made yeah great all by Loha yeah, Morazic yeah. and
0: you know McElhinney was great and Ned developed into being a guy this year I, I, they've made really strong calculated moves I, I think the one maybe that's maybe the most impactful was probably the Nino trade in a weird way. Uh, just because gotcha, he got, rigged, got rid of that Rask contract. Yeah. And, you know, it's not quite a Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, the one for one, but it's the closest thing we've had to that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's kind of worked out for Rask a little bit as well. He's started to find a little bit of his game back with Minnesota, but not nearly at the level of that contract. And, Nino has been an important part of this franchise as a guy you can roll on your second or third line and we know what he can do when he gets hot. He's a streaky player, but when he gets hot, he's an effective force. And then you can't overlook the the Trocheck Trocheck, excuse me, trade either. That was a, an awesome trade that they made.
0: Yeah, and this is a huge part of this discussion is they've been really good on the trade market for the most part. I mean, really good. I, I People like to look at, you know, what Elias Lindholm has produced uh, in Calgary. I'd equate that more so to what we talked about last episode with, hey, if Warren Fogo goes off and blows up in Edmonton playing with superstars, okay, the point totals are what they are. In all likelihood, Elias Lindholm was never going to blow up like that here. And that's fine. The most impactful player from that trade has been Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. And um, so for that perspective where the teams have trended Carolina wins that deal absolutely wins the Nino deal people for some reason were iffy on the Trocek Trocheck trade that was a no-brainer to me I mean yeah. no offense to Lucas Walmart and you know the other auxiliary pieces of that deal but no-brainer and so they are able to, you know, I think we feel the same way about the Ethan Bear trade for the most part. But they are able to identify uh, people on the trade market, market inefficiencies that they identify and can come in and make a, you know, they buy low. They're great at it. Yep. Unfortunately, they don't seem to be as good at buying low with free agents. No, You know, we, we like the De- DeHaan signing. Moved him after a year injury. Jake Gardner's contract is an albatross now. Yeah. Um, this offseason, TBD. Are we going to think the Frederick Anderson deal is too bloated? As of now, I don't think they've signed any poor contracts. No. But I like DeHan and I like Gardner when they did it. Yeah. You know, what, do you, what are you thinking about that? I mean, it is a different way to build a team. You know, they yeah. they are universally under this, you know, ownership group considered great at drafting. Yeah. So the on ice product is great or it has been great. In my estimation, though, the core, other than Dougie Hamilton, was pretty much in place when they took over. And you got lucky to get the number two roll of pick. Mm -hmm. So so the main move they've made, most high-impact move they've made, is the Dougie Hamilton trade. And now, as of last week, he's no longer here. So for the first time, regardless of what you or I individually think of Dougie Hamilton as a player... They have lost a core asset from this team. Ooh. At what cost? And I think we gave our perspective on what we think of Tony D'Angelo and others that could potentially replace him. But there's a, for the first time, there's expectations. You've made the playoffs three in a row. People are now not just expecting you to get there, but to get over the hump. And two, you have made a tremendously... Risky decision to let one of the premier defensemen in the league go and bet it all on a guy with character concerns, horrific defensive metrics, and for the most part, empty point totals as far as analytics. We might may not you may not think Dougie's great. I may be too high on him, but to me, it comes back to you're build around your core. And how is this team going to do now that it's finally lost a core member?
1: Yeah, so I think, and something we've kind of chatted about, um, I don't have an issue with free agent signings when the term is reasonable. And you look at maybe the Gardner trade, they probably could have gone a year shorter. That would have probably made that one a little more palatable. You look at the goalie situation right now, and both of them are on two-year contracts. Like, number one, when you sign somebody like that, you're not going to just play them for a quarter of a season and give up on them. So you're going to get a year, and then they're going to get a rebound year most likely. And in this scenario, if neither of them hit, then number one, it's not going to be as hard of a contract to move because neither of them are ridiculous AAVs and neither of them are ridiculous terms. So if you have to do something, if it does not work, you have not handcuffed yourself. You haven't signed a Bobrovsky contract, right? You, you've put yourself in a manageable position. So you look at it from that perspective and you're like, this off season, I'm all right with it. Would you like to move the Gardner tr- contract like we talked about? Yes. Um, you'd like to get that one out of pocket, maybe even flip Nino for an upgrade and that's another way to find a little bit of cap savings rather than bearing him on burying him on the third pair i think the movement on that will depend on a the fetch deal getting done and b may they might wait until training camp to see what seth jarvis jack jury dominic bach uh suzuki all these guys have before they say if they feel like one of those guys is a true third line ready and a guy that can step into the lineup, then maybe you say, "Yeah, we don't need 5.2 Nino on the third line," and so, so we might not see the move we want to see for the top six forward right away. And that makes sense. I think you need to get the fetch done, deal done, no matter what. You I don't you don't put yourself in a in a cap situation when you haven't signed uh, a franchise player like him, and then. To go back to the to the Dougie deal, I am currently of the view that I think once they find that top six piece, I think we'll be in a better position unless we really missed on goalies. I think defensively I, I do agree with that. Yeah, I think defensively, it's we'll a see. A, we're going to see a dip in the first line production offensively. I think defensive metrics will probably shake out to the same for the first pair. You're obviously not going to get the point production and offensive play driving, but I think you have a drastic step up on your third pairing, and I see Shea as being better next season than he has as a Carolina He was
0: was better last year than he was in the brief stint. I think he'll Um, be better this next season. To me... it's never been explicitly you had to keep Dougie, but for this team to be better heading into next season, you had to replace them some way. And, and, and to this point they have not. And we've yeah. keep, we keep coming back to, you know, you need another top six forward. You need another top six forward. If that happens, great. But I, I don't think tonight is necessarily focusing on like the current roster moves. It's. And, as as I kick off this next kind of mini segment, let's just dispel the notion. They're not cheap. I mean, they, they spin no. to the cap. They basically purchased a, a first round pick for $6 million just to carry, you know, the husk of Patrick Marlowe's contract. Yep. Um, they're not cheap. I mean, he spins to the cap. We're going to talk about the perception that is maybe growing. Not maybe it it is growing amongst fans, amongst media, and hopefully not, but I'm sure it exists between agents and players that Carolina just, one, we know they do things differently, but they just negotiate everything hard. And for the first time, as I mentioned, there's expectations and you've made, you just put a target on your back with not signing Hamilton and not signing D'Angelo, And that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I mean, Hard decisions need to be made on the way Mm -hmm. to winning at a high level. However, (laughs) you just can't do this to people. There is a human element to this and you're not going to win every deal and that's okay. But when a Sebastian Ajo becomes a restricted free agent, and you're going to hardball him to the point where something that never happens, he gets offer sheeted, it happens, and they match it. It was never going to be – that wasn't a thing. But you shouldn't be in that position with your best player. The expectation shouldn't be that everyone is on a Jacob Slavin contract. Turbo, the first major deal this um, group signed in, in January of 2019, is a really good deal. That should not be an expectation. This mm. is not Tampa – this isn't the most talented roster in the league. Where even before they won the cup, guys were staying, and there's no state, state tax down there. Guys were staying because they wanted to win.
1: Yeah,
0: it's an embarrassment that they offered Dougie Hamilton fifty thousand or fifty million over eight years. Six point two, like that is an embarrassment. Even if we don't think he's that guy, that is a terrible offer. Just Damn. a slap in the face. And you know what? I'm sure he feels that way. But players around the league recognize that, man. And when you, when you sign Calvin DeHaan to a you know multi-year deal and trade him after year one, and Jake, hey, you got to perform. Right? There's a part of that. But guys talk. And this has never been a destination for people. Yeah. But you can't make it even harder on yourself. And they're doing that right now. There, there's no doubt in my mind. I, I've been a professional athlete. Guys talk. Guys don't want to deal with organizations that, do that to people. It and it's not just on the ice. It's Rod Brindamore, yeah. Mr. Hurricane. It's John Forsland. As soon as this goes awry. And it could happen as soon as next year because the metro's gotten better. What if your defense isn't as good? The goalies implode and you don't bring in another forward and they miss the playoffs. He's not going to fire Don because he's not going to pay 2 GMs. But if this was a normal organization, Heads will roll. People will, especially if this team fails with D'Angelo heads are going to roll, man. Like this is torch and pitchfork stuff.
1: Yeah. They have put them, like I said, they've put themselves in a precarious position where they are gambling on their beliefs and their team building philosophy. And the negotiation part is tough. When I look at it, uh, when I break down the RFA side, the RFA side is the one chance you have leverage as management. I don't hate when they don't just settle on the AHO contract or the Svetch contract. Do I want them to get them done quick? Yes. I mean, it may, it's easy for everyone, um, but they have their wants for those contracts. And we've talked about this on previous podcasts, but... It's, it was super obvious that they wanted Aho to be on an eight-year deal. I totally get that. Um, they definitely want Svetch on an eight-year deal. That's the, if, it, if they were cool with the term that Svetch wanted, which is probably two years, it would be done already. But they know what they want, and they're going to push for it. And I say that because when it comes to RFAs, I'm all right – with things taking time, things take time. We're not unique in that. In that management tries to leverage uh, the RFA period. I think that's something that happens in every franchise. I just think it got highlighted because of the AHO offer sheet, and I think the AHO offer sheet boiled down to an agent knowing the power he had with the offer sheet knowing that Carolina would match it and knowing all he had to tell Montreal was yeah he's interested he'll sign it when the reality was he wasn't going anywhere. he was negotiating a Carolina contract with Montreal and I get it from the you hate it when an agent does that um, from the management side and I didn't like seeing it just because it puts bad taste in your mouth and I think it's I think you can be upset with management, but simultaneously, it's as much on the agent for me in that in that situation. When, I mean, I don't know how much of an impasse they hit to where he felt that was necessary, but that happened what July first? Yeah. That's quick. I mean, that's day one of free agency sure. offer sheet. Boom. That's a slap to the face, really. I mean, well,
0: to, that was a. Shot across the bow from the hockey community at Tom Dundon. And, Which is and And he, and he swiftly dispelled it and, you know, moved right along. You know, agreed to the deal with Ajo. No big deal. Just in general, though, you know, we, we talked about Francis. And then the next deal was Turbo. And that was great. And it was below average, you know, below his probably market AAV. Great. This, or this ownership group didn't negotiate him. Uh, but Slavin and Pesci under market value and yeah. there was almost as i said like this notion that guys are just going to take better deals and you know part of that is you probably got them for under market value because they played in carolina the team hadn't really done anything in the playoffs and okay like they didn't have the notoriety that they do now fast forward this isn't a player obviously but chuck Caton. Yeah. gone R- really no negotiate. They're going to simulcast. Okay. So you got one year of, uh, Trip and John simulcasting games, the Forslund contract. Yep. Okay. Tom, we don't think he's cheap. We just think he thinks outside the box. And I hated that. I think you hated that. I think all of Caroline hurricanes fans hated that. I, I know when I really got into hockey, you know, 2015, 2016, um, if he wasn't the guy and this is no offense to Mike Maniscalco who i think really got better over the course of the season got more comfortable i, I can't imagine trying to replace a legend like john forslan but if john wasn't the guy at that time in my life i wouldn't have got into interest in this team like i did like he made the dark days watchable he, t- he taught you the game he was you know for a lot of people a major part of their hurricanes experience So, hey, he's gone. Okay, that that all goes in line with Tom is going to spend on the on-ice product. Cool. Fast forward to the next offseason. Rod Brendamore, Mr. Hurricane, Jack Adams winner, affects the on-ice product. And they hardballed the hell out of that guy and his assistants. We ended up losing one of them to Toronto, Dean Shanoff. That just start connecting the dots. Uh Aho, Forslund, Caton, Brendamore, Hamilton. You got to take care of people, man, because, and, and they've had success over this three year window since he's had the team, but you're trying to thread the needle and they act like they're the smartest people in the room. And I think Eric Tolsky is maybe the best analytics guy in the league. It, Certainly seems like they've found out a niche that people don't understand. But at some point it's gonna bite you. And then you have no goodwill built up with your fan base. You have no goodwill built up with agents or players. And what then then what? Then what do you have? Yeah, then what do you have? Th- then you start hearing, you know, move to Houston. You know, that that's what you start hearing around here again. Yeah. No, and because sure. he's a Texas guy and, It's just one of those things where you can't treat people like this consistently unless you're winning and they've won. People overlook things when you're winning. They'll overlook D'Angelo if the team wins. Yeah. But if you don't win, that puts you on the precipice of disenfranchising fans, getting putting the franchise in a precarious situation for now. You want them to come out and say, Andre Svetchikov. Here is a market value eight-year deal. Sign it. Yeah. Now, sign it. Because we believe in you. Because that's what that tells you. When, when they let Dougie Hamilton go, the, the guys in the room, they know what he is and he isn't. But you need to show that core that you're going to invest in them. And it's not so much about, oh, we need to win every deal and we're going to be sustainably good. Those things are all fine until you miss on draft picks until you let guys on your core leave and then you don't have success. And it's like, Oh, but we're still so like, we have this. I don't think they like, they just operate in a way. Like I said, that is okay. And so you don't have success.
1: Yeah, no, they've, done, they've set themselves up to require like to have to back up their moves at this point. And like you said, the the measuring stick for that is winning on the ice and meeting expectations. As the team currently sits, I still look at them as a playoff team. Um, are they a contender right now? Probably not until they do add top six depth. Um, it's, you know, it's tough because it puts you in a stressful position as a fan because you're looking at it and you're like, wow, they're taking chances. Wow, they're taking chances. Um, and you wonder, you wonder, what is the the underlying plan for all of this? The negotiation part—that's tough, right?
0: Contracts are hard. I mean, yeah. when you, when you negotiate your salary every year at your work, I, those contracts are hard, and, and feelings get hurt, and they're they're public in pro sports, which, which makes it tougher. Yes. I mean, yep. I think we that we all understand that. It's just. They seem to be so far out on their own island when it comes to player evals of internal players. That that's the thing. Like they it always seems like, quote, unquote, you know, we thought the Gardner deal was a great market value deal. We thought the um, Calvin DeHaan deal was a great market value deal. High Insight, they overpaid for two guys outside of their program. You're much better off paying for people you you know about. Like you know what Dougie Hamilton is. I like guess it's not all about Dougie, but this is the first time in their you know ownership period that they've lost a core asset. I don't know. It's just you've built up so much goodwill. He's done the right things, and he he's done it in the face of people saying he couldn't do it. So it's hard for us to sit here and say they're not going to continue to do it, because yeah. watch Tony D'Angelo come out and be you know a better offensive producer than Dougie Hamilton. The third D pairing clicks. Jarvis comes up from the minors and is is a dynamo. Svech, Aho continue to grow. Natchez, and boom, you're you're back in contender range because the goalies are better and you invested. In. Yeah. and that's probably how they view it. They yeah. they they probably view it like that.
1: And yeah. I, I hope that's what happens. And I think they also view it as we're in a position where we think we're just as good and we have cap capital. <laughs> right? I, th- I really do think that they think their team right now is, is in the same quality bracket as where they were last year. And I think the way they look at it is like, look, this is where we're at. And after a fetch deal without moving Gardner and without moving Nino... we We can still add we still have room to add so it's tough because you you really want to have faith in the decisions that they've made they're not making it easy right it's a lot of head scratching um they've they've really in my opinion their depth has gotten way better and we (laughs) talked about we've talked about that depth isn't necessarily yeah, the end all be I, I, all. I appreciate that
0: you you mentioned it because that's where I wanted to go next it's they're willing at least to this point because it's the first time they've they've had you know the Aho contract but like they signed it Hamilton they let him walk so those are the two core pieces that have come up in this regime they seem to be more willing to push a core asset to the brink but they'd rather bring in an overpaid Brady Shea. They'd rather bring in an overpaid Nino Niederreiter. And just fundamentally, that is not good team building. When you get to the, you know, you need depth to win. Depth scoring is a huge thing. But when you get to the bare bones of it, the teams with the best cores are the ones that are sustainably giving themselves the best opportunity to win. And you should never put yourself in a position where, to lose a Sebastian Aho, and Andrei Svechnikov, a Dougie Hamilton, because of a middle of the lineup player, you do everything you can to move out Gardner. You do everything you can to move out Shea or Nino, or God forbid, even Trocheck. Like you don't lose you. You can lose those guys because their quality of talent is more available on the market. There, there's more of those type of players within the NHL. There is, what, how many centers in the league better than Aho? How many defensemen in the league better than Hamilton? Not that many. How many right shot, right handed, you know, offensive play driver defensemen are there on his level? Analytics would tell you zero. <laughs> yeah. And we we may not agree with that, yeah. but they, you, do. you they don't, don't. They clearly do not. <laughs> they <laughs> you know, they clearly. Yeah. And I think we'd love to be privy to their analytics. For you sure. know, I, I would. As, as we said, we're very complimentary to Eric Tolsky. Yeah. But there seems to be a massive disconnect between public analytics and what the Canes have.
1: Absolutely. I think it.
0: And that doesn't it, make the Canes wrong.
1: Sorry. I'm not trying to come down. Yeah. No, I, I think that you probably look at every organization's uh, analytics and they're all going to be different, right? And the public models are going to be different as well. And, I mean you just talk about you we've mentioned this really early on in the podcast you Vasilevsky was for a long time not even considered to be the number 1 goalie via analytics and that's just that's just an absurd. Oh, still not reality.
0: Like it's ridiculous. it's just.
1: I'm sorry. You, you're telling me that the best goalie in the world is. Well, then your formula is wrong. Or right. You're so. You know, there was analytics
0: out there that said Carolina had better goaltending heading into that Tampa series, which yeah. is no offense to Ned.
1: Comical. Comical. Just absurd, and you know. So I think every franchise values players differently, and relies on different sets of analytics and we don't get to know any of that, which burns me to death, but it makes sense. I would love to dig into all of that and see where people rank different players and what models they like use who, to who actually they judge target them. based
0: on their analytics. That's what's really interesting to me because yeah. clearly they do have a team building methodology. Uh, unfortunately, akin to what we described last week with you know, Tony D'Angelo's comments to ownership and Don Waddell prior to signing. Again, we're just not privy to that stuff. It's it's internal, and the Canes are going to operate um, in a very, you know, closed off fashion.
1: I mean, one of the tightest, tightest, fran- yeah, for I mean, sure.
0: All the quote unquote insiders in hockey have a hard time keeping a bead on this team. And I think that's to their advantage. I mean, oh, when great. these massive trades come out and you're out of left field, and it's like, Hamilton and Trocek and everyone's like all the inserts like, Oh, we hadn't heard anything. That's, that's really good on your front office. I mean, that's
1: good for your players. That's exactly
0: what you want. You know, you don't, you don't want it to be like Vegas where Marc-Andre Fleury finds out he's been traded
1: to Chicago on On Twitter. Twitter, Yeah, that's terrible. That is, that that is is terrible. I couldn't imagine that. That would be rough. Talk
0: about mistreating. I mean, the most famous player in the history Mm -hmm. of your franchise. I mean, that's a calamity. Um, all in all, it's just, it's okay to do the things they're doing. They're yeah. winning. But after a time, winning is not guaranteed, no matter how good your process yeah. is. It becomes harder when you lose good people. Yeah. I'm just of the mind that in your workplace, uh, for a franchise, you got to pay good people. Yeah. You can't go and pillage bottom of the barrel to find diamonds the rough all the time. Yeah, I agree. It just makes the margin of error so much smaller. Yeah, And absolutely. I think the key or the overarching point of this offseason for me is not the, you know, people are, you know, freaking out right now. But to me, it's the only thing that's occurred, the margin for error of this team has gotten smaller. And to your point, the team believes they're better in goal. I bet you the team probably thinks they're no worse than equal on defense. Yeah. On paper, they, they probably feel very similar. I hope they're right. I, I, I really do yeah. hope they're right when it comes to Dougie. And you, this was your point before we got on tonight. Well, multiple analytically driven organizations, you know, outside of Carolina, weren't that into it. You had mm-hmm. New Jersey come out and sign the big deal. Okay. Maybe that should tell us something about internal analytics.
1: Yeah, when Seattle passed on him, that was a big sign for me because they could have they could have literally dipped in twice on the hurricanes and I really thought that they would have a strong chance of signing Dougie. I think number one, we mentioned it on the podcast, he's a guy that would do very well in Seattle and they were a team that weaponized cap stylistically. Space yeah, and stylistically he was and, a great it, fit. And everything made sense. And when it got to a point where they backed out. I was like, there's no way we're signing him. If they said this is too rich for us, I was like, then we're we're out.
0: It, it, literally <laughs> and then then the the news came out early on the first day of free agency that Dougie was like what seven years and eight point something yeah. early in the morning. And that, you know, went on for hours and he didn't sign it. And it's very clear to me that it seemed like New Jersey hindsight was bidding against themselves. Yeah. You know, ends up being, you know, seven years, nine per... AAV and a really interesting contract breakdown, but that's a different story. Um, So, hey, maybe they are right and maybe they will continue to defy the odds and and win because your core is good enough to do that. Now, the longer the Svechnikov RFA deal lingers, I think that gives us pause because really the through line of this entire story is just we're not privy to these conversations, but it's just connecting the dots going, they really don't take care of their people. They really don't negotiate in good faith and good practice uh, from a market, perceived market value standpoint. That's, you know, staff and players. So we may be totally wrong, but it just gives the perception that They would rather win a deal than lose the deal and maybe have a better team. And we can't maybe go that far at this point. Maybe that's a reach because they've been winning. But to me, it just seems like they are more than happy to get a team that is a playoff winner because that playoff money is important. But are they going to sign the bad deal that jeopardizes maybe taking themselves out of being a playoff team in five years to get over the hump and win a cup now? Because I don't think they want to do that. I think he, Tom Dundon, the owner, is under the impression that they can sustainably get by, be a perennial playoff team, akin to maybe a San Jose for so many years. Yeah. Good core, good prospect pool good at developing guys, make the playoffs every single year, going to have really good regular seasons. I think he'd be fine with that. You're going to have to make a bad deal. You're probably going to have to make a bad move here or there. That's going to hurt your longevity. Yeah. But you got to do something to get you because your team's not there. It, it's not on the the core of this team is not Tampa. It's not Vegas. It's not Colorado. Things change fast. Mm -hmm. Those aren't going to be the same three teams we're compared to in two years. And Hey, maybe things just stumble. Right. And I just think that they are not concerned about quote unquote getting over the top.
1: Yeah. I, I think they just want to be good. I can see that. And I will say this, I've always viewed them as a trade deadline team when they, when they really feel like they're the winner or could be the winner. Um, I think the missing piece for them, and I'll be really curious how this season's trade deadline goes down because I think the big piece is goaltending, and if our goalies play to the caliber of goaltending that could win you a Stanley Cup, I would fully expect this team to be buyers at the trade deadline and maybe give up some stuff that you don't want to give up in order to chase that. Now, if the goaltending plays well, you're on par defensively with what you were last season. Maybe you get a kick. Maybe they pull the rabbit out of the hat and they get a Matt Kachuk as a top six guy, you know, your boy. Yeah. I, I, I think that that move would be a move that immediately makes them a contender and potentially perennial contender for a long time. So, with that being said, if they are in that scenario and they do not buy at the trade deadline, that would be a big implication towards well, what you just basically said.
0: They didn't do anything at this deadline. Yeah, and they were they a division did. winner.
1: And I think it was goalie based. I they think, just didn't believe it. I don't think that based on the moves they made this offseason, they right. weren't they weren't willing to give Peter three point eight, which is fair. I don't. Uh, would, I'm fine with that decision. And they moved on from Ned. So they clearly didn't think that those two goalies were even capable of winning them a cup. Now, do you go and get a goalie in that scenario if that's, you know, so...
0: You you would think. That's a market. We don't know what the market, prices were and, that's and that's who was available. Market. And I don't want to be hyperbolic and also be stuck in this, you know, prism of just this year. Because the year before, they did go out and make moves. They yeah. acquired Vatanen and Shea and... Maybe they felt like they got burned and overpaid in that scenario. And so they're, they're like, did. okay, they did. W- they did, but okay. Maybe that's an inefficiency that we're, we're not going to pay deadline prices. I think you can be more strategic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the assertion about, you know, observation about goalies is, is a really good one. And I, I, I'm on record as saying I fully expect, even though I like Anderson and Rantanen more as a tandem than what we've had here previously. I think at least for me, the numbers are going to regress. They are not going to produce the regular season numbers that Ned and Peter and, and, and Reimer put up. Last, it's just not going to happen. Like it, it is an improbability uh, from a efficiency standpoint. However, and you got to get there first. Cause I kind of have my doubts right now. If they get into the playoffs, I think that, is where you can see that's where this team will be tested because right now they have the notion of being a regular season team. And so, hey, it's about surviving and getting in for the franchise at this point. But once you're in, are the moves we're seeing making you better April, May, June? Because, quote, unquote, Dougie's a regular season player. Ned's performance wasn't sustainable. You know, other moves they've made were because... They didn't get you over the top. Well, we can't just ignore the the months leading up to the playoffs too. So it, it's not to be redundant. It seems like they're trying to in, uh, to thread an possibly hard needle at this yeah, point.
1: For sure, they yeah. They are of the mindset that, like you said, whether it's winning deals or. Their goal is to make as few negative transactions as possible. And the negative ones they make, they want to be able to move on from them. We've, we've seen them do it already, right, with the free agent defenseman, And I think there'll be more of that in the future. Um, let's hope that they're just way smarter than all of us and that they're waiting. So far they have, because I've let's been critical
0: hope. at times of the moves they've made. Yeah, And so we might... You know, retroactively, maybe not two months now from now when the season starts, but, you know, six months from now when they're leading the Metro and go, okay, may, maybe we overreacted, you know, mm-hmm. especially me. I'm the one really going at it hard. Ultimately, though, it's not just performance. It's just how you treat people, too. And whether we want to recognize that or not, I, I do have a little experience being a professional athlete and seeing how those negotiations affect a locker room and you don't want that too so it's performance plus the personal treatment of people that i think you'd you'd like the performance to continue i think you want the personal side to pick up because you don't want that rep but at the end of the day like i said this could look really bad like hot tweets or cold takes exposed and uh Mm -hmm. you know me being a huge doubter could uh come back to bite me i I think you're a little more safe
1: (laughs) yeah uh, i mean you could be totally right though and the whole point of this isn't for us to just sit over here and sugarcoat everything. And right, we're I think gonna, this is fun. Yes. This is the
0: fun part. We we're not yeah.
1: mouthpieces. No, and and hey, you might be right, and then you get a laugh in my face and See, anyone I'm, else's. I, the face. problem is,
0: if I'm right, it's it not sucks. good for you. <laughs> like, you got to watch yeah. bad hockey. If yeah. I'm right, like that's fair. Yeah. Um, my my positive, you know, let's end on a positive note here. They have one. This organization under Tom Dundon's leadership has known nothing but winning and making the playoffs. They act like the smartest person in the room and until they're not, I'm going to operate like they are even if I disagree with it. I'm hopeful that this team is at least equal to last year's and with the growth of certain players can be even better. Trust the guys to continue to make, or the organization to make strategic moves that will get them over the hump, not just make them a regular season team but to truly go in on being a cup contender, you agree?
1: Yeah, I think we just like first of all make the playoffs, and even if it even if it turns out to be a wild card, which you don't want. I mean, look at what look at what Montreal did. If if Canes twenty nineteen, we're <laughs> good, baby. Just get in. If you think that you have made a team that will have a better opportunity to win in the playoffs and then we get to the playoffs and it shows then hats off to you but if you fail then it's it is all on those decisions that were made and that's going to be a, a massive cloud over the organization so we'll see they, it'll be it, it should be fun to watch i'm excited for i'm excited for training camp and hopefully we'll be able to attend some of those open Um, open practices and whatnot and get a look at what they've assembled and see the beginning pieces of it and then from there we're just gonna have to wait and see what the on ice product looks like
0: cautiously optimistic
1: cautiously yes
0: cautiously optimistic regardless for us it's good it's big c it's content Yep. Uh, we'll have a lot to talk about and sometimes it's easier to talk about bad stuff, but we hope that's not the case.
1: Cause we want to talk about all the wins that are racking up, yep. uh, Mike, tell them where to find us. You can follow us on Instagram at the rod, the podcast and on Twitter at the Please make sure to subscribe, follow, like, and rate the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. We are on, but not limited to Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, Podbean, and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening and don't hesitate to reach out on any platform.